everybody's crying right now. It's deeply concerning. Um, this is the seventh rate hike we've seen since March. The experts warned us, but it's not making it any easier to digest. The central bank has raised its rates once again to knock down inflation. But how long can Canadians take the hit to their finances? Good evening. The rate hike to 4.25% is historic and will have a significant effect on what we can buy and how. The efforts are to get a stranglehold on skyrocketing prices. But analysts suggest this pinch to the pocketbook may stick around for some time. CTV's Mike Walker joins us now with our top story tonight. Mike. Well, Michelle Nathan, the Bank of Canada says this is once again necessary to bring rising inflation down. But for anyone with a variable mortgage and loans, that means paying out more. And many people we spoke with today expressing frustration about how they're going to afford the higher interest rates plus the higher cost of living. Another interest rate hike is tough to swallow for homeowner Myrna Harriet. Combined with record high inflation, she says the cost of living is no longer affordable. I have to choose between paying my mortgage or buying food. I can't afford it. The Bank of Canada's decision to raise interest rates for the seventh consecutive time this year to cool inflation impacting everyone, especially those with a variable mortgage who will continue to pay more. Harriet now rethinking her mortgage, which is up for renewal in February. Costing me an extra $1,500 to get by, and that's only on the mortgage. And I'm thinking about relocating from the city. The average home in the GTA sold for just over a million dollars in November. With a 20% down payment, the variable rate was 5.4%. The monthly payment was just over $5,200. With today's rate increase of 50 basis points, that monthly payment jumps to nearly $5,500. That means an additional $253 per month. In many cases, those payments are up about 50%. This year, Canadians are feeling the pinch and they're having to make difficult decisions. Um, I think the only solace to take from this is, is perhaps the rate hikes are finished. It will also affect those looking to renew fixed mortgages. Consumers have all been stress tested at about the rates that they're paying today. Adam Dolly says his fixed mortgage is up for renewal in the new year. I'll be probably like 1700 more a month. How do you feel about that? Well, it's, just, it's not feasible. A significant increase he's already budgeting for. You scrape, scrounge, and save every penny. With home sales down, experts believe it's time to change the rules. We need to look at things like longer mortgage terms and revisiting uh, the stress test being another two points higher on your mortgage. And it's not just mortgages. People with a home equity line of credit could see their payments go up again. Whether you see a higher payment depends on the structure of your loan. But if it is a variable loan, it's nearly always tied to the prime rate offered by the banks. This as new Equifax data shows consumer debt in Canada has climbed to more than $2 trillion. Many are preparing to further rein in spending. Look at your sales and make your food plans around there. Going to the mall, trying to buy clothes, going to the hairdresser, getting your nails yeah. done. You Can't cutting? afford that. Now, the Bank of Canada has not yet ruled out any further increases. The next rate announcement will be on January 25th. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Mike. Threats made and shots fired at a lawyer's office. New details about the case of a man sentenced in the GTA's infamous tow truck wars. CTV News investigates. That's coming up. A new report from RBC says a soaring number of Canadian households are now renting their homes. 
The 2021 census showed nearly 5 million households were rentals last year, up from 4.1 million a decade earlier. That increase marked a 22% growth in rented homes. Home ownership grew by only 8% in comparison. While millennials struggle to buy property, RBC says baby boomers are the fastest growing group of renters. The report says rental levels are also increasing as more Canadians choose to live alone. School safety on the top of the agenda for Toronto board officials as they gather for a meeting tonight. They're trying to curb an unprecedented spate of violence in their classrooms and hallways that has led to everything from police intervention to protests. CTV's Allison Hurst is at TDSB headquarters right now and joins us live. Allison. Tonight's meeting is a continuation from one Monday night that went on for more than four hours, all focused on school safety. Lockdowns are becoming an almost regular occurrence at Toronto schools. In Etobicoke just yesterday, students were under one because of a knife fight nearby. One of the kids walked away, the other kid walked away, and I guess, I guess had a knife. A TDSB report shows violence at schools is on the rise and on track to set a record this year. When we look at education, how can students study, how can they learn? if they're not in a safe environment. Liban Hassan is the trustee for York Southwestern, which includes York Memorial Collegiate. That school has had ongoing safety issues. More than a dozen staff members refused to come to work last month, citing safety concerns. CTV News has obtained the Ministry of Labour report outlining the issues like witnessing fights and crowding among students in hallways that fully masked and unidentifiable students enter classrooms. And a staff member reported being told they were on a student's jump list. That was investigated by Toronto Police. York Memorial students also report feeling unsafe. Education is a right! Last week, a group of them walked out of class demanding change. So we want to stabilize staff, right? We want to make sure that we have consistent staff that are going to be there for the students and, and you know, um, work in an atmosphere that's safe for them and so that they, they don't walk out on the job again. We're living in, uh, in, in, in uh, some violent times now. Putting police back in the hallways has been a topic of discussion, but it's a controversial one. And if you get the right police officers in these schools, I think it's a great idea. I think they need to be back. Speaker, the response to violence in schools is not more police officers. This government needs to invest in high-quality, publicly funded education. Members with the Toronto District School Board say it's not on the table, but they are adding staff, safety monitors, and child and youth counsellors. We do have to look to community partnerships, other community organizations, faith-based organizations, uh, other levels of government that we can work with to, uh, to really address some of the root causes of this. The school board is also meeting with the city and police to have an open dialogue and figure out a solution. I think we're all thinking about different roles we can play to make the school safer uh, and uh, we'll then convene again in a week or so and have that discussion. Tonight's special meeting will discuss a multi-phase safety plan starting now. The Ministry of Labour has also ordered that York Memorial conduct a workplace violence safety assessment by December 9th. Meanwhile, tonight's meeting gets underway at 9 p.m. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Allison. The union representing TTC employees is calling for improved safety measures after a recent violent incident. ATU Local 113 says one of its operators was assaulted and robbed at the Long Branch Loop in Etobicoke Monday morning. The TTC says the operator was shaken but was not physically harmed. The union says it's the second attack on a TTC worker in less than a week. It's calling for better communication with TTC special constables to help prevent similar incidents. 
High above the city tonight in our CTV News Chopper and a look at another warm December day. Lots of reasons to be out and about ahead of the holiday season. Lovely conditions for skating and one of the reasons to be out and about, a chance to help those who need it most. Our Lindsay Morrison joins us from another Toy Mountain site in Mississauga with our festive charitable efforts and, of course, the current conditions. Lindsay. Of course, Michelle, and you know it has been a really mild day today. We ended up making it to 8 degrees. We're rounding up and uh, looks like this is going to be the last of the really mild days. We're in for a little bit of a cool down, but let's take a look at our current weather conditions. Uh, Temperature-wise, again, nice and comfortable out there if you do have to be out and about through the early part of this evening. Worth mentioning, though, that as we move into the night tonight, our temperature will slip just below the freezing mark. Could be a little bit of slippery spots with some drizzle out there. And once again, we have fog in the forecast. Here's a quick look at the satellite and radar just to show you what's going on. Not too much happening, uh, but there's lots happening here at the Salvation Army in Mississauga. I want to introduce you to Ganika, who is the store manager of Walmart Heartland. Uh, what, are, what have you brought for us tonight? Well, Walmart is a longtime supporter of the Salvation Army Toy Mountain. At Walmart Canada, we support programs and organizations that matter to our customers and our associates. And I can tell you that we're so fond of Toy Mountain and Salvation Army. Today, we're so excited to present a check of $25,000. is that what a way to start off the night nathan and michelle lots more to come this hour i'll send it back inside to you thank you lindsay that's great news elsewhere tonight crews are sifting through the aftermath of a large fire after flames ripped through homes in a bolton subdivision this afternoon people inside got out safely and the fire department says two cats and a bird had to be rescued the fire started in one townhouse around 3:15 and quickly spread to adjacent buildings fortunately no injuries were reported to a CTV News investigation, we're learning more about a shocking attack on a lawyer by someone tied to the GTA's troubled tow truck industry. All of it from a judge who handed down a stiff sentence in a case where our justice system was threatened by organized crime. Our John Woodward joins us now. And John, how serious was this? Michelle, it's serious enough. The attack drove these lawyers away from their jobs, trying to use legal tools to rein in corruption in the tow truck industry. That surveillance video of a shocking attack in a Vaughn parking lot three years ago. Shocking not just because of the shots fired, but because of the target. A Greater Toronto Area lawyer working for an insurance company suing some tow truck companies who have been engaged in a bloody war over turf on Ontario's highways. If it was a professional job, I wouldn't be sitting here. That's Lisa Carr talking to CTV's W5, saying she went into hiding. It wasn't the first attack. Earlier that year, someone threw gas containers and set a fire. Another time, a handgun was pointed at her and the trigger was pulled, but the gun jammed. Charged in the case, this man, 24-year-old Khalid Abderizak. According to a court judgment, he pointed a gun at a woman he believed was Carr and told her, you are suing the wrong people. Do you want to have kids? Do you want to grow old? Then stop suing my friend. This is your only warning. Shortly after, he fired seven shots at the law firm while employees huddled inside. Abderazak pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 12 years in jail. The judge particularly concerned because it was an attack on a lawyer. Acts of violence perpetrated against lawyers to intimidate them from representing their clients diligently and with commitment to the client's cause have no place in our civilized society. Such acts are serious crimes, said Madame Justice Fuerst. The story of what happened to Miss Carr was harrowing. 
it's definitely not what anyone who goes to law school becomes a lawyer, what they're expecting. The effort to bring order to the tow truck industry has moved forward with new rules on 400 series highways and two guilty pleas from officers accused of sending some operators tips. But some key charges in a major investigation, Project Platinum, have been dropped as officials worried disclosing wiretap information would reveal the identity of an informant. Unfortunately, all this took its toll. Carr and others targeted no longer work in this area of law. Abderazak did apologize for his role in the, in the hearing on uh, November 30th. The judgment doesn't say which organization he was ultimately working for, so it is unclear if the alleged mastermind will do time for this as well. Reporting live, I'm John Woodward. Back to you. All right, thank you, John. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctvnews.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. Breaking the ice and blazing a trail, recognizing the achievements of five people who bashed through racial barriers in the National Hockey League. Their struggles and triumphs coming up. Police have made an arrest in connection with a recent deadly shooting downtown. 28-year-old Sarkis Sogutlu was taken into custody in Mississauga Tuesday. He's accused of second-degree murder in connection with the death of Peter Matamenos. The 38-year-old was killed near Queen and Portland, on the morning of October 22nd. Police also have identified the victim of a homicide in the city's East End. 57-year-old Nicola Majorano died in hospital after he was stabbed near Danforth and Greenwood early Tuesday morning. Police have not released any details about suspects. Still along the Danforth, police are asking people to be on the lookout for a man wanted for a string of break and enters. 39-year-old Gary Buffett is accused of robbing several buildings near Danforth and Greenwood between April and November. He's six feet tall, medium build, with short brown hair and brown eyes. Now to a family's agonizing search for a liver donor. Their seven-month-old baby's life depends on it, yet they're not a match and the transplant wait list is long. CTV's Beth McDonnell reports on the efforts to give their little girl a future. Wow. Days away from turning eight months old, Aliza Zaman is in the fight of her life inside Sick Kids Hospital, while her parents desperately search for a living donor. By donating a part of your liver, you'll not have any complication in your life, but it will save a baby and she'll be able to see this world. Born with a rare liver disease called biliary atresia, Aliza's mother, Preetha Hawk, says without a transplant, doctors have told her she won't make it to her second birthday. With the liver failure, the other organs will fail too. Hawk spends every day at the hospital with Aliza, who requires a feeding tube. She says the condition was discovered at two months, too late for a procedure to stop the disease. At four months, word came they needed a donor. Hawk, her husband and brother, are not a match. Without relatives in Canada, they thought they may be able to find out if relatives in Bangladesh could be potential donors. But that process is expensive and logistically challenging. The agonizing search happening all while Eliza is growing and developing. She is a very happy baby. She is very social. Whenever someone comes to the room, she welcomes me with a big smile that every nurse and doctor mentioned that she has a very nice smile. Aliza needs a donor with an O positive or O negative blood type, but finding a suitable liver in of itself is also a challenge. 
She is on Ontario's transplant wait list for a liver, along with 235 other people. While Hawk has been told babies are prioritized, the length of the wait involves many factors. The family has also started a Facebook page to make connections while trying to stay positive. The doctors are always telling us that in every moment we can have a donor, so don't lose the hope. This four months, I'm just holding my phone to have the call, but we didn't receive the call there. A call they hope comes soon before it's too late. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. The Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board is once again requiring all students and staff to wear masks. Trustees voted 10 to 3 in favor of the new measure, which takes effect immediately. However, the policy is not a mandate and staff and students will have the option to opt out. The board says the requirement will be reviewed at a meeting in January. More criticism tonight against the new authority the province is giving John Tory and other Ontario mayors. And Doug Ford is hearing it loud and clear. The result causing the Premier to play both defence and offence on the issue. Our Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now to explain. Siobhan. Now, politicians across Ontario have been screaming about problems they see with a pair of government bills aimed at getting more homes built and giving more power to a couple mayors. Today, the Premier accused those politicians of whining and singled out one mayor in the GTA in particular. The day before it's expected to become law, the Premier is defending controversial Bill 39. Well, it's about expediting, making a decision. The legislation gives powers to the mayors of Toronto and Ottawa to approve bylaws that fit provincial priorities with as little as one-third support. Fifteen Toronto City councillors have asked for more time for input. Ottawa's mayor has said he doesn't want this kind of power, muscle that one professor calls strange. Getting powers that no other government has that in a lot of ways are very kind of go against democracy, go against accountability, go against the sort of norms of elected government. The premier dismisses any suggestion the bill is undemocratic. Having a councillor that scrapes in with 3,000 votes and has the same voting power as the mayor, that's what's trampling on democracy. At the end of his news conference, Premier Doug Ford launched into an attack on the top elected official in Mississauga on the housing file. I know we have a, a, a few mayors that, uh, you know, don't want to play in the sandbox and one being uh, Mayor Crombie and I don't know what her issue is. Crombie has raised concerns about the city losing out on development fees cut by the province to incentivize home construction. Ford objected to a postcard highlighting changes made by his government sent to Mississauga Homes last week. We want to work collaboratively, cooperatively with you, but we need to uh, get on board and, and start moving forward and stop the whining and complaining that I hear day in and day out. In a statement, Bonnie Crombie writes, I'm not whining, I'm simply doing my job as mayor to stand up for our residents and taxpayers and that legislation will force Mississauga to put the brakes on growth plans due to lack of funding or raise taxes by up to 10% a year for the next decade. The opposition calls the attack on Crombie counterproductive. If you want to work with cities in this province, if you actually want to deal with the big problems we have around housing, that you should be trying to work with people, not insulting them. MPPs are expected to vote on Bill 39 just before they begin their Christmas break.
Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown appeared alongside the premier today. He doesn't have access to these stronger powers yet, but he is in support of them. He says he thinks they would help municipal uh, elected officials deliver on the promises they make to voters during campaigns. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right. Thank you, Siobhan. The prime minister made a big announcement on conservation today as Montreal hosts the U.N. conference on biodiversity. Canada will provide up to $800 million to support four major Indigenous-led conservation projects across the country, covering almost a million square kilometres. Justin Trudeau also met with U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres with plans to discuss biodiversity and other pressing topics like Ukraine. Meanwhile, protesters are demonstrating outside the venue of COP15. They argue the conference won't make any difference in the face of a climate emergency. Political turmoil today in Peru as the country's president tried to dissolve Congress. Lawmakers responded by removing him from office. Han votado a favor 101 congresistas. Members of Congress celebrated after reaching the required number of votes to impeach Pedro Castillo. He had also imposed a curfew and said it was his plan to rule by decree. He was under arrest and no longer president within a few hours. Vice President Dina Boluarte was sworn in soon afterwards as Peru's first female leader. A dramatic series of raids across Germany today where police arrested 25 people suspected of plotting to overthrow the government. Germany's justice minister described the raids as an anti-terror operation. It's alleged the group includes far-right extremists, including a judge and former military commander. Prosecutors say they were prepared to storm the parliament building in an attempt to seize power. Some 3,000 officers carried out the raids at 130 sites in 11 states. The final election in the U.S. midterms is now resolved after a victory for Democrats in the state of Georgia. It is my honor to utter the four most powerful words ever spoken in a democracy. The people have spoken. Incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock held on to his seat. He fended off a challenge from Republican Herschel Walker. The Democrats now have increased control over the Senate, while the Republicans won a majority in the House of Representatives. More than 150 people were hurt this morning when two passenger trains collided in Spain. The crash happened about 30 minutes north of Barcelona, as many passengers were commuting into the city. Spanish authorities say one train was not moving while the other failed to break in time and hit it from behind. About 800 people were on board the two trains. None of the injuries were considered serious and nobody was trapped. Just a week after unprecedented protests, China is lifting its most severe COVID policies. People with COVID can now isolate at home instead of a crowded quarantine camp if they have mild or no symptoms. They also no longer have to show COVID tests for some public places and can travel more freely inside the country. The changes come despite a spike in COVID infections. On Wednesday, China reported more than 25,000 new cases. Time magazine is named Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky as 2022 Person of the Year. The publication says Zelensky inspired his country and won global accolades for his bravery in resisting Russia's devastating invasion. Time also noted the former comedian's refusal to leave Kyiv as the war got underway. 
saying his courage as a wartime leader was contagious. The hockey world also issuing top honors tonight to some of the game's most influential players. Five men are being recognized for their efforts and actions on the ice and the obstacles they were forced to overcome off it. CTV's Austin Delaney joins us now from the Hockey Hall of Fame. Austin. Well, it was an emotional day for five families of five former NHLers, Canadian NHLers, because when they took to the ice years ago, they didn't look like the other players. They were trailblazers, Fred Sasakamus, an indigenous player making it to the National Hockey League. When I have a dream, when you have a dream and a native couldn't go any higher to go into your NHL, to be a native is difficult in this world. I reached my goal, NHL. Playing 11 games with the Chicago Blackhawks, but taunted with racist slurs on the ice. In 1930, Henry Elmer Rackle, also indigenous, played 11 games with the New York Rangers. And a third indigenous player, Paul Jacobs, played in the NHL for the Toronto Arenas in 1918. There were five Canadian players honored for breaking racial barriers in the National Hockey League. Making sports history in hockey, as Jackie Robinson did in baseball, Willie O'Ree of the Boston Bruins. My name is Willie O'Ree. I was the first black player to play in the National Hockey League. These were challenges that were there for everyone, but they were perhaps amplified when you're trying to do your best in a, 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 a game where people don't expect to find someone that looks like you playing. And Larry Kwan, a Chinese-Canadian, the first Asian-Canadian to break into the NHL, playing for the New York Rangers against the Montreal Canadiens March 13, 1948. Just one shift, one minute, never to hit the ice in the big league again. So that one single shift, I mean, it's not that he wasn't good enough. They didn't want to put him in the game. And today proves like, yes, we acknowledge because you were not white, you were not given fair opportunities. Their names now on a plaque unveiled at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Former Maple Leaf defenseman Mark Fraser there to honor them. To see these gentlemen, whether Asian, black, uh, indigenous, to be able to be recognized as the pioneers, as the true trailblazers, um, as members who made it to the top level of our sport that you possibly could in times where I could not imagine the adversity that would have been faced and the criticism and the death threats and things that are just inhumane and don't necessarily exist in today's modern era. Um, but they persevered throughout it regardless. When the NHL was formed in 1917, there were segregated leagues that did not feed into the National Hockey League. And Fraser says much has changed at all levels of hockey since those five played, but he says much more needs to change. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. Thank you, Austin. Coming up one-on-one -on -one with Sarah McLaughlin, our Andrea Case sits down with a Grammy-winning singer-songwriter who opens up about her trailblazing path and brand-new music. I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, are you looking to buy a real Christmas tree? If you are, you should know there's a shortage this year that is driving up prices. More families started buying real trees during the pandemic. Now the industry is having a hard time trying to keep up. All of my reports just ahead. We are live in Mississauga and we are building a toy. Mountain! 
And we have Shannon here from Mevoteca. You came to visit us tonight. We did, yes. This is our second year. We're very excited to be here, um, especially in Mississauga. So um, we are an automotive aftermarket parts manufacturer located in Mississauga, although our engineering is done in-house in North York. Um, but we wanted to make sure we're partnered with our local community because we do have um, an exciting donation today. Yes, you brought some toys and also something special. We did. We're collecting toys across all of our facilities in, uh, in Mississauga, and we have a check for $5,000. That is going to help a lot of families this holiday season, and there are ways you can help too. Head to our website, toymountain.ca, click on Toronto, you'll find locations for drop-off bins for those new unwrapped toys. You can also find ways that you can donate monetarily. Uh, we want to thank everyone for being here tonight in Mississauga. Lots more to come, including a look at your weather forecast, so stay with us, and stay with us because we've got another night of great shows for you tonight, right here on CTV. If you're planning on buying a real Christmas tree over the next week or two, you may discover them more expensive and harder to find. Demand for real trees has jumped over the past few years and it's led to some tree farms running low and having to raise their prices. Pat Foran has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. The pandemic changed the way we shop for a lot of things, and that also includes Christmas trees. Of families that put up trees, half choose real ones, the other half artificial. But during COVID, more people decided to switch back to the real thing. The family-run Christmas tree farm in Stouffville has the same issue that many tree farms across Canada are dealing with, a shortage of Christmas trees. The last three years, it's definitely taken a toll on inventory. Uh, we are planting 4,000 trees every summer to try and keep up. Extreme weather conditions have hurt supplies, but also during the pandemic, as families stayed close to home, many switched back to a traditional Christmas tree. We had a lot of new people to uh, natural trees that came from artificial and had such a great experience that they've now come back every single year and made it a tradition. This is our third year getting a real Christmas tree from this farm. That's exactly what Derek Ma and Tammy Ewan did. They decided to return to a real tree in their home and for them it's now a new tradition. It doesn't have to be like perfectly triangular. It actually is that imperfection that makes it real, makes it fun, makes it festive in that way. And of course it smells very nice for the rest of the season and we really enjoy that. Prices will differ depending on the retailer or tree farm, but the Canadian Christmas Trees Association says prices are up about 10% over last year. If you can't get the tree that you're used to having all the time, look at some of the other species that uh, farmers grow. You can still find real trees for less than $50, but premium larger trees will cost hundreds of dollars or more. The association says thinner, smaller and even tabletop trees can still be a good choice depending where you live. The living quarters are getting smaller. So a big 8 foot to 10 foot bushy tree doesn't fit in those those uh, spaces anymore. Roughly 20,000 acres of tree farms, the equivalent to 30 million trees have disappeared over the past decade, and seedlings take eight to 10 years to grow into a tree ready for market. Still with renewed interest in real trees, the industry believes it has a bright future. And tree farmers are also dealing with inflation issues. The cost of fuel, fertilizers and insurance have all gone up. Also contributing to the shortages that Canada exports about half of all the trees it grows. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at 
alert at ctv.ca. Right in the past few minutes, already $30,000 has come in for Toy Mountain. Oh, Impressive. The, the big checks are just piling up along with the mountain of toys. Really, really a great haul just in the past half hour at the Mississauga Salvation Army, Lindsay. It's so true. I think everyone's getting into the spirit of things, Nathan and Michelle, and there's still more to come. We have so many important people to chat with here, so we're going to get right to it. Uh, Joel, thank you for having us tonight here at the Salvation Army. Tell me a little bit about the need in your community. Well, the need just even at our food banks has increased since 2019 over uh, 35%. So uh, we're just happy to be able to help any of the residents here in Mississauga that uh, are struggling this year uh, and could use our support. So that's what we're here for. Thank you, Joel. And we want to say hi to City Councillor Chris Fonseca. This is your, your area here. This is. Uh, hi, Lindsay. It's just, this is just an amazing evening. As Joel was saying, there is great need here in this community. But I'm so blessed to have the Salvation Army here supporting. And all of these incredible community members, all generations supporting, uh, not only at this time of the year, Toy Mountain, but also throughout the year. And speaking of people, uh, the community members who are contributing to this cause, let me introduce you to a very special team. Steve, tell me who it is that we have here tonight. Well, Lindsay, thanks for having us. First and foremost, we're representing Port Credit Hockey. We're the U14, 12 and 13 year old boys. All right. As you can see, a very quiet, humble bunch. But uh, this is Coach Brendan's idea to help the community. Uh, we took it to our team, we took it to our parents, then we took it to our association, then the Mississauga Hockey League. We got a huge bin at Port Credit Arena, still open if you want to come down and donate. And the kids tonight, they brought some of their toys along to donate and show you in person. So here they go. That is absolutely amazing, you guys. Uh, one of my favorite things about this campaign is seeing kids, helping kids. What does it mean to you to be a part of Toy Mountain? Um, I feel like I feel like it's helping out the community, especially the people who are maybe less fortunate than myself. Um, I know it will go to a great cause, and these uh, people that it's going to will have an awesome Christmas. Good for you guys. I want to I want to celebrate you guys a little bit more in just a moment, but also want to mention to people at home that if you want to make a donation, we'd love to see your photos. You can email them to us at toy.mountain@bellmedia.ca. We'll be showing more on the news next week. Let's get to your forecast. We want to let you know that the weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand, it's hard to stop a train. We had a very mild day today, but that's sort of the end of our pattern. Overnight tonight, we dropped to a low of minus one. Watch for fog and watch for ongoing drizzle. Uh, as for the temperatures tomorrow, uh, a little bit cooler. Four degrees is what we're forecasting, but we'll see some sun finally. It's been a little while, hasn't it? And when it comes to our systems map, there's a couple of disturbances that we're tracking, especially into the day on Sunday. I'll talk about that in your seven-day forecast in just a moment. Quick look at the forecast radar tomorrow again. Many parts of the GTA are going to see some sun, which will be great. Into Friday, though, the cloud thickens once again. Over the weekend, starting Friday night and into Saturday, we have a chance of flurries. And then look at Sunday on the seven-day forecast. Mild enough for rain showers, but also cool enough for flurries. Could be a little bit of a messy mix. It's a day that we're keeping an eye on. Again, we are here live at the Mississauga Salvation Army with the Port Credit Storm. Uh, we've been working on a little bit of a hockey cheer. Should we do it together? Build Toy Mountain. Bill Toy Mountain. I'll send Bill it back Toy to you. Bill Toy Mountain. Love that chant. Also tonight, Sarah McLaughlin sits down with CTV News, where we learned about the 54-year-old as she gets set to release brand new music that came to life during the pandemic. On air, online, 
on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. Sarah McLaughlin has sold 40 million albums and has racked up numerous awards. The Grammy winner was in town recently and did only one interview that night, and that was with our Andrea Case. Andrew McLaughlin is a trailblazer who many don't give enough credit for for changing the music industry. Absolutely not, and I'm going to explain why in just a moment. Nathan and Michelle, good evening, yes. Now, this is an important history lesson, and this is recent history. There was a time, McLaughlin says, that radio stations didn't want to play two women artists back-to-back, -back, let alone put them on the same concert stage. She has changed all of that. Like many other artists post-pandemic, Sarah McLaughlin is back out performing. A show at the Gorge in Washington State last summer with Brandy Carlisle had particular meaning. Carlisle, now a growing household name, was 16 in 1996 and sitting in the crowd when she was inspired by McLaughlin. Who kicked the door in the music industry wide open when she created Lilith Fair. People started saying, no, you can't do that. Like, and I'm like, excuse me? Why in the world not? And it was just coming up against all these old boys club attitudes about the music industry, about you can't put two women back to back on the radio, you can't have women open up for you if you're a woman because people won't come. And I'm like, well, I've had women open up for me the whole time and my shows have been selling out just fine, thank you very much. McLaughlin, who was in Toronto recently to perform at a fundraiser for St. Joseph's Health Centre, has spent a career giving back and as an activist. Her free music school is celebrating 20 years in Vancouver and six in Edmonton. It's an incredible program. It's really grown and evolved over the years. It started off with sort of a, a little more of a traditional music program. We built this really cool, completely child-focused program. During the pandemic, the 54-year-old mother of two took the time to write new music. A new album is on the way. I hate to say this, but when I'm really happy, it's hard to write, and I'm very happy right yeah. now. <laughs> so, and it's not like I want to bring any trauma on my house. I'm, <laughs> I've had plenty, and uh, it's everything feels just really nice and calm right now. I will you. The trauma she has overcome, thanks to friends, family, and enjoying the world outside, and of course, thanks to the music. I want to put my lighter up there. As for future Lilith Fairs, thanks to McLaughlin, times have changed. In 2011, she said it's no longer needed as female headlined and back tours are now commonplace. Look for new music from the Canadian icon in 2023. I'm Andrea Case for CTV News. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. How exciting. Thanks, Andrea. Well, Avatar fans got a sneak peek today at the theme song for the upcoming sequel sung by Toronto's own The Weeknd. The singer shared a few seconds of the track on social media. It's called Nothing Is Lost, You Give Me Strength. The full soundtrack will be released December 15th, one day before Avatar The Way of Water hits theaters. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Amid a new era in the British monarchy, a new name for Woodbine's racetrack's high-profile horse race. After the break, the Queen's plate no longer. Win the holidays. 
tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. Your chance to grab this season's most sought-after toys. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. It's deeply concerning. Um, this is the seventh rate hike we've seen since March. Updating our top stories, the Bank of Canada raised its key interest rate by a half a percentage point today, putting it at 4.25%. However, the central bank indicated it may be ready to pause its aggressive rate hike cycle, saying its future rate decisions will be data dependent. We are taking a number of steps, adding additional staff to keep schools safer than they are. Safety discussions continue tonight at the TDSB as the board looks to improve safety within its schools. The TDSB has already committed to hiring more staff for its Caring and Safe Schools program. The board is also meeting with police and city officials. These were challenges that were there for everyone, but they were perhaps amplified when you're trying to do your best in a, 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 a game where people don't expect to find someone that looks like you playing. And the Hockey Hall of Fame recognized five players today for their efforts to break down barriers within the sport, both on and off the ice. Remember to follow us on social media and keep up to date day and night through our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. And if ever you have a news tip, photos, or video of breaking news, let us know. In business, some optimism in the aftermath of today's interest rate hike. Here's Jacqueline Hansen from BM Bloomberg. The Bank of Canada says its interest rate hikes are working to bring down inflation. So this time, it didn't say there will be more hikes to come. Instead, the central bank said, looking ahead to next year, it will consider whether interest rates need to go any higher. Translation, the Bank of Canada could pause here and wait things out. That's because economists say it can take a year or longer for the full effect of rate hikes to be felt. Even though inflation is still at nearly 7%, it is down from its high of above 8%. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading slightly higher to about 73 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil fell more than $2 to $72 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select also fell about a dollar to a little under $46 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX declined just a bit to 19,973.22. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg. The Royal Canadian Mint is issuing a new toonie in honor of the late Queen Elizabeth II. The $2 coin features a new image of the Queen wrapped in a black nickel finish that's meant to symbolize a mourning armband. The coin will go into circulation later this month. The Mint says for millions of Canadians, Queen Elizabeth II was the only monarch they had ever known. And the new coin offers Canadians a way to remember her. And here in Toronto, a major event on the cultural calendar is rebranding in the wake of the Queen's death. After 70 years of being known as the Queen's Plate, Woodbine Racetrack says its annual high-profile horse race will now be known as the King's Plate. The event first ran as the Queen's Plate in 1860 under Queen Victoria. It has been renamed several times along with changes in the reigning sovereign. Rebound, Allen. Oh, LeBron's got it. Here he goes. Hammer it down, LeBron James. Bad news if you paid money to see another king in the city tonight. LeBron James and fellow Lakers star Anthony Davis will be sitting out when L.A. hits the court against the Raps. Losing those two could help a struggling Toronto squad. The Raps are coming off a tough loss to Boston and have dropped three of their last four. 
Tip-off is at 7.30. Tonight, we explore an acute seasonal labor shortage. Well, come on here and sit with Santa Claus. The soaring demand for Old St. Nick and the talent agencies on a frantic holiday hiring spree. We'll have that story and more later on CTV National News. And an IMO BC couple has quite the story to share. After a family of bears broke into their home last week, the sneak entry all caught on camera. <laughs> Surveillance video shows a mother bear and two cubs making their way inside through the pet door. The homeowners hid in their bedroom and called 911. And the bears actually left on their own. Later, the owners found this scene in their kitchen after the bears helped themselves to some food. The family planning to get a new door without an entry for pets or bears. Good idea. Let's go back to that Toy Mountain site in Mississauga. Lindsay. Yeah, Nathan, it's been a fabulous night here in Mississauga. Our mountain is continuing to grow, and we thought it would be a good time to maybe do a status check, Glenn, on uh, how our mountain is growing. How's the campaign going? Well, I was just down at the Toy Mountain Headquarters Warehouse. All the toys are coming in from all the malls. All your donations are making such a big difference. And tonight, seeing Port Credit Hockey Storm coming out and Walmart and Mevotech making their donations, we're off to a great start. We still have got a couple of weeks to go. Yes. So make those donations. We need those, uh, we need those in for those children, absolutely. And is there an age group that there's a specific need for right now? Always 10 to 13 mm -hmm. is a great age group. And newborns, uh, 10 to 13 newborns, hard uh, ages for us to support, but need your donations in those, uh, in those ways. Absolutely, Glenn. And there are ways that you can help. A reminder, head to toymountain.ca. Just make sure you click on Toronto and you'll find locations as well as links to where you can donate. One more look at our weather. I do want to mention the fact that there is a fog advisory that's been issued by Environment Canada. It's for areas to our north and to our west. And there we have one more look at the seven-day forecast. We're live here in Mississauga at the Salvation Army. I'm going to let the Salvation Army band take it away. Thank you, thank you to everyone who donated tonight. That's it for us, but be sure to join Omar Satsadina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night.